This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. The people, the good listeners in the 253 felt like emailing Speaker Jenkins and saying, pass that Public Broadband Act, House Bill 1336, get that on the floor right away. That would help us a lot. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Uh, This week on Crossing Division, we are talking with Representative Drew Hansen about internet coverage in our state and how he has a bill to get us more. So, Representative Hansen, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about Bill 1336. Hi, I'm Representative Drew Hansen. I represent most of Kitsap County. And my bill, the Public Broadband Act, would allow full public broadband in Washington state. Washington is one of a minority of states that restricts the ability of some governments like ports, public utility districts, counties, smaller cities from offering broadband. The majority of the states who don't have these restrictions see on average better speed and lower cost for their internet than we do. So my bill would bring us in line with the majority of states for something that you know we probably should have done 20 years ago, if not longer, but it's like the old saying about planting a tree, right? I mean, the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. The second best time is today. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to gaining this to the governor's test this year. That's good. So um, how do you expect that providing more public broadband will expand internet coverage for us? Well, it will expand choice. And so if you think about where I live in Kitsap County, Kitsap Public Utility District is ready to start providing broadband directly to retail end users. They can't do it because of state law. And so, you know, people in my district would love to have more choice of internet service. Uh, They are deeply, we are a sort of a mixed urban, rural, suburban district, and people aren't happy with their existing options. And we've had this kind of hands-off approach and these state restrictions for a long time. It's time to try something different. That sounds good. You know, in our city, in Tacoma, we actually did have public uh, broadband, and we've recently sort of transitioned it over to a private vendor, Rainier Connect. Um, and I Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that, because that's always one of the horror stories that the cable companies bring up is, oh, the disaster of Tacoma Click. You know, it wasn't a disaster. What it was was cable television as well as internet. And cable oh. television, as you know, has just got a diminishing share of the market year after year after year, Click was in competition with private vendors, which could run at a loss in Tacoma. Some channels in the package are very, very expensive. And uh, financially, being able to provide cable service, I think, was what was drawing the problem. But the real problem was, yeah, the real problem, in my opinion, was that we had leadership at Tacoma Public Utilities that was very hostile towards Click, felt that the um, utilities should not be running uh, cable service. And I think that the internet kind of always got, you know, packaged in with it. What do you think, Joe? Well, yeah, this started, Click started back in the 90s. And back in those days, cable TV was kind of the big, you know, push for the whole system. Whereas the broadband internet was kind of a nice add-on. But as of course time went on, 
broadband internet has become more and more important while the cable piece has diminished more and more and more. Good. That's useful context. Good. Because that does get brought up. Uh, yeah, because this started back around 1997 or 1998. Mm-hmm. When we moved to Tacoma in 99, Click was a, a fairly new service. Got it. Great. And, you know, back in those days, broadband was pretty much just not Yeah, viable. no one had it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I would have liked to have seen Tacoma do is is hold on to the broadband and deploy it further because we do have, we actually have very good coverage in Tacoma. We have any number of families that um, don't get it because it's expensive. And now in the pandemic with kids trying to go to school, it's not good. No. And it's, I mean, that's what, look, this day and age, broadband is not some optional add-on. I mean, even before the pandemic, but especially during the pandemic, it is a indispensable part of modern life. I mean, we're relying on the internet for remote school, remote work. We're doing this podcast remotely. I'm doing all the legislative session remotely. I practice law. I'm doing that. I'm going to have an oral argument remotely next week in Miami. It's not, you know, look, it's long past time when we start treating public broadband as the basic service that it is. And, you know, what do we do when we want to provide basic services? Well, in this state and in most states, uh, you have public utility districts that are providing your public power. You have public utility districts that provide for public water. We have public utility districts that provide your public broadband uh, if they can. They don't have to, but if they can and they want to. And so, you know, that's that's all my bill does. And it's, you know, it's a big deal because people have been trying to remove these restrictions on public broadband for two decades now. Uh, the cable companies have fought them every turn. You know, they've won. And they're not going to win this year. My understanding is that that limitation came about after Tacoma created Click. That then, may well be correct. Although yeah, I so, think then the state locked the barn door. Yeah. So Tacoma the, was was grandfathered in. Uh, well, so the good news, relatively, is that existing law does allow large cities like Tacoma to run their own broadband network, and so there are discussions in Seattle about doing that. Um, there have been for some years. Anacortes, I think, has started one. Uh, but, you know, again, that that might not pencil in some communities, right? And so, like, and it doesn't do you any good at all if you live outside the city limits of a large city. I mean, like, I don't think anyone in my district, uh, well, obviously, by definition, no one in my district lives in Seattle, right? So, like, we, you know, you want the economies of scale that comes with a county-level PUD able to think about providing county-wide internet service. Mm-hmm. What kind of feedback are you getting from the PUDs and uh, they love others? It. They love it. They're extremely supportive. Uh, you know, we had a hearing last week, just gripping testimony from some of the PUDs in rural areas and in mixed areas like mine about how they want they want the ability to try to see if they can make this work. Uh, we had testimony from chambers of commerce and healthcare facilities in rural areas about how the lack of broadband is impeding them. I mean, like it's, you know, they're, they're excited and they have, you know, they, Kitsap in particular has wanted this for a long time. It just hasn't been able to make it happen. So we're hoping this is the year. Mm-hmm. What are the, um, what are the forces aligned against you? Cable companies. And what are they saying about this? Uh, they so I did not listen to their testimony, but I have some idea of what they're saying. Um, okay, you know, like they don't want 
they don't want kids at PUD to come break the monopoly that Comcast currently enjoys. Mm -hmm. They don't want that at all. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, what are they saying? Couldn't tell you, but that's their, I mean, that's their objective, right. Is to protect the monopoly. Mm -hmm. So they basically fear competition. Correct. Yes. And like, you know, look, what they're going to do, uh, what they're trying to do already is to say, OK, you can have public broadband authority, but the private sector gets, you know, a veto. The private sector can say we've laid this fiber that at certain speeds and nope, you know, you don't get to do it. And you're like, first of all, that condition doesn't exist for other private sector cable companies. Like if CenturyLink, now Lumen, wants to come wire some area, Comcast doesn't get to say, oh, you know, we already have fiber there you know, go away. Uh, second of all, just because there's some cable laid doesn't mean the end service is affordable or reliable. And so, you know, and, and, and third, like in the real world, if the service is great and the consumers are happy, the likelihood that the PUD is going to go through all the rigmarole of setting up broadband is pretty low. Uh, so, you know, I don't, <laughs> I just, this, the objections don't seem well taken. Mm -hmm. So I know your time is limited. How can people yeah. learn learn more about this and how can they help you? Yeah, so they, the bill will, people, you know, look, the benefit of Tacoma is you're the district of the Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. And so the, if the people in Tacoma were to email the Speaker, uh, Speaker Jenkins, and say, we need you to, prior, to make House Bill 1336, the Public Broadband Act, a priority this year. Get it on the floor right away. That's the thing we need right now, because it just passed out of committee yesterday with a bipartisan vote. We got to get it on the floor and get it off the floor. And that's a matter of priorities. So uh, the people, the good listeners in the 253 felt like emailing Speaker Jenkins and saying, pass that Public Broadband Act, House Bill 1336, get that on the floor right away. That would help us a lot. Okay. We'll work Good. on that. I got to go. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Drew. Bye. Bye. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma, and a proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. Everything in our day-to-day -day life seems to involve more hassle these days. So it feels good that Alaska Airlines is making something easier. Alaska has made air travel virtually touch-free. Here's the rundown. When you check your bags at the airport, you won't have to touch the kiosk to print your bag tags. They'll print when you scan your boarding passes, or you can even print them from home. When you board your flight, they can scan your boarding pass from as much as six feet away. Now, the lawyers want me to say that this might not work if the lighting in the terminal is low or if the print quality of your boarding pass isn't great. But still, kudos to Alaska for trying to keep physical distancing at every point of the trip. And don't forget, you can pre-order your meal from your phone or from your computer. You can even put your card on file in case you decide mid-flight to splurge on a local wine or beer. Get your drink without pulling out your card. Now that's the perfect blend of convenience, safety, and temptation. Those are the thoughtful details that make me choose Alaska Airlines every time I fly domestically. When you're ready to travel, rest easy, because Alaska's got this. Skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for making travel smoother, and thank you for your support channel 253 so how do you think this would change things for us at all joe in tacoma yeah yeah i'm not really sure where that leads us because we have an agreement now in place with rainier connect and i don't know i don't know what i can't imagine that that allows for us to start a competing service 
uh, since what we did with the Click Network was to license out the entire network, which is all the fiber cables that run throughout the Click service area, which is actually extends somewhat beyond Tacoma in some areas. Um, we can't just take it back. Um, and I can't imagine that uh, our contract allows us to start some competing service. Yeah, I have to say, this is the thing that concerned me most about moving it over to Rainier uh, Connect. And I have to say, we've been um, using Rainier Connect for years now, and I don't have any, you know, through Click and now in place of Click, and I don't have any real concerns about the service we've been receiving. But to me, the, that lost opportunity to try to turn our um, broadband broadband infrastructure in Tacoma into something really special, that was a disappointment to lose that opportunity. Well, and, you know, I think other municipalities would love to have had all of this cable, you know, pre-laid and ready to go. And we had it and gave it up. Now, I think a large part of the problem was that, you know, this got a big push and, and got a big send-off back in the late 90s. And then after that, we just seemed to let it sit and slowly die. I don't think it was promoted very well. It wasn't upgraded particularly well. I don't think people in Tacoma ever really understood in a lot of instances what Click even was. I mean, for some people, Click was cable TV that was slightly cheaper than Comcast and didn't give much thought to the broadband piece because broadband access had been subcontracted out to other vendors. So it was Rainier Connect, it was Advanced Stream, and there was a third one for a time called NetVenture. So for most of the history of Click, if you wanted broadband access over the Click network, you actually didn't contact Click, you contacted these third-party providers. And what the city was doing with them, they were wholesaling bandwidth out to Rainier Connect and NetVenture and whatnot, and then they were selling it essentially on the private market. So it, it was kind of an odd setup, and in a lot of ways, whatever sense it made back in the late 90s, it made less and less sense through the aughts and then through the 20 teens. And we never really reconciled and rationalized the way in which we were offering our broadband service here. And I think that's really a lot of a large part of what killed it. Yeah, it's, it is really one of those unfortunate um, historic events because um, now with the pandemic, you know, every kid is going to school and needing access to broadband and many of them don't have it. I mean, I've seen uh, stories of kids who are, you know, driving in a friend's car and parking in the school parking lot all day just to with a laptop on their lap just to be able to do their schoolwork. Well, and even if you have access, I mean, what happens when you know, both parents are trying to work remotely. One or more children are trying to connect to their school via Zoom meeting. Um, you need one hell of a robust connection to have, you know, three, four, five people all conducting remote meetings at the same time. And God forbid somebody wants to watch Netflix while everybody else is doing that. Yeah, we've actually had that problem on our podcast where someone will call in for the podcast and sort of freeze up frequently and they'll, they'll be saying, oh, sorry, you know, my kids are using the internet access back yeah. in the room. So it's happening. 
but you know, it, it's more than that, though. I mean, uh, signing up for COVID vaccines—that's only really effectively done online. Um, last year, when large numbers of people were signing up for unemployment compensation, that was really only effectively done online. And you know, for years. The excuse has been, well, people can go to public libraries and whatnot. Well, the libraries are closed. You know, any place that you might be able to go and get, you know, free access, that's not available right now. And so, yeah, you have people parking in school parking lots or, you know, parking down the block because Ed's security on his Wi-Fi isn't very good. So you can get on there. Yeah, I had been thinking... um with the pandemic, I wonder if there's a way that schools could actually boost their Wi-Fi so that they could cover, let's say, maybe a 10 square block area outside of the school boundaries. So, I mean, we can look at things like that because I think it's desperately needed, but I don't know that anyone's looking at it right now. Yeah, it really depends on how good the hardware is. Mm-hmm. Right now in uh, for this bill, House Bill 1336, that Representative Hansen uh, was in it original sponsor of. Um, one of the things that's kind of intriguing is that it it also allows smaller cities and counties and I think port districts also to become broadband providers. So I don't think there's any plan to do this, but I think that that might actually help keep rates fairly reasonable, even in a city like Tacoma, with the idea that, you know, the county could provide this or the Port of Tacoma could start to provide this in competition with um, some of the other providers. I'm not quite sure how that works because again, I don't know what um, you know infrastructure they might have available to use. I mean one of the things with click was one of the reasons for developing it was the idea that it would be a tool to be used in utility billing. Um, and I don't think it ever, really was used that way, but that was part of the justification, I think, for having, for building that um, structure. They were for a time, they were using meters that, that spoke to, you know, TPU headquarters via the fiber network. But um, I think they've since switched to meters that now communicate wirelessly. So they're just, you know, basically cell phone access to the central billing system. Um, and in fact, that was part of the argument for why we should get rid of Click because it no longer really served any real TPU purpose. And basically, the former head of TPU, Bill Gaines, didn't want to be in the business of of you know, running a broadband cable TV operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in preparation for doing this podcast, I checked in with my brother. Um, Joe knows I have a brother who's. Um, in the, I don't know how to say it, in the, in the internet industry, I'll say it that way. And I'll brag a little bit and say he was one of the people who helped initially design the hypertext transfer protocol that started the internet back in the, I mean, he was involved with Tim Berners-Lee back in the early 90s. Uh, first, is, you know, he wanted to come on the show, but he works for a company that he said it would be very difficult to get all the permissions necessary to come on. But he said his um, company that he works with, it's a big software provider, has been providing their key software packages for free to school kids to help them with, uh, with, with school. But he said, you know, but the biggest barrier they have is that 
do the kids have access to robust internet coverage so that they can make use of the, the software? Um, and it's turning into, like so many other things, is turning into a real basic have and have not situation where the children who already have significant advantages of, you know, wealth, um, they don't have to worry about, you know, how dinner is going to get on the table. They have assets. They have the internet coverage that they need. They're going to get, you know, tutors as needed to make it through this. And the kids who have um, less financial assets are having a harder time and a harder time. And it's a, it's something where at some point we have to stop just sort of shrugging and saying, yeah, that's bad. And really look at doing something about it. And I'm, and when I say that, I guess I'm anticipating that the doing something should be some sort of a dialogue between the city and the school district on providing the infrastructure necessary to let our students thrive. And I'm not seeing it yet, but in fairness, everyone's so knocked out by the pandemic and trying to figure out, you know, how to get schools back online and everything else that they're just not looking very effectively toward the future. Yeah, I know it. at one point the Coma Public Schools was distributing laptops to students who might not otherwise have something to work on. But I, I don't know that there was ever a workaround for those people who might not have any sort of broadband access. Um, many internet service providers have a low-cost package for low-income families, but that's typically a very bare-bones service that might be fine for you know some basic web browsing and email, uh, but it's not going to support remote Zoom meetings and, and things of that nature. Yeah, you know, I had looked up a website comparing internet providers in Tacoma, and it had indicated that Tacoma has pretty good coverage. There were about 3,000 um, people, it said at one point, who about 1% of consumers in Tacoma or 3,000 people have access to one or fewer wired internet providers available. But otherwise, our coverage is pretty good. And what impressed me was there actually are some pretty reasonable uh, pricing options like Xfinity uh, has a 19, according to this website, a 19, about basically like $20 a month, $19.99 a month. Um, but it's going to be at the low end. It's going to be at the 25, um, whatever MBSs are. Um, whereas if you go up in price um, to the fastest internet providers, then you would be paying closer to $85 a month or $90 a month. Uh, Rainier Connect has a thousand Mbps uh, for around eighty dollars a month, um, so it becomes quite pricey to get the quality of. Yeah, that, that's the problem with low cost services. That's not really going to give you the kind of connectivity you need for all day school and for remote working, and certainly not going to support having multiple people online at the same time. With the twenty five Mbps. It's megabits per second. Megabits per second. Thank you. That is probably, this website thing's pretty good for basic web browsing. You could stream video on one device. A low lag time for online gaming. And I think it would be ideal for one to two person household of light internet users. I would say, so we have a two person household. Neither one of us does games, you know, other than I do Candy Crush on my phone. But um, we watch, you know, Netflix. We watch things every night. We 
are on our computers throughout the day. Um, we use our phones uh, connected with Wi-Fi when we're at home. There's no way that that would be sufficient for us. No. No. In fact, as, as we started streaming our television and canceled the, uh, um, the cable package, we had to upgrade our service a couple of times. You know, just to avoid dropouts and endless buffering when you're in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. So what's your prediction? Do you think, let's assume this passes. Cause I think this bill is a really good bill and I, it has no real cost. All it does is allow um, public entities that want to provide the service to, to be able to provide the service. So I think it's going to pass. Do you think it's going to change our landscape at all in terms of internet, either availability or cost? Well, if it passes and if it's adopted fairly widely, I think it should. Um, you know, back when Click was still a municipal service rather than just an infrastructure that's leased out to a private company, we typically in Tacoma, in the Click service area, we paid less for cable TV and for broadband access than people who were just immediately adjacent to us but didn't have an option like click. It really did serve to lower the costs for anybody who lived in the click service area. Um, so, you know, I think if, if other counties, if other areas within the state are able to do this, it should by providing competition, by providing a lower cost option, you know, it should provide more access. It should provide lower costs. Um, you know, the question is how quickly can people get up and running even if they want to do this? Do you think they have to, do they have to lay new line? You know, it's either lay new line or you have to enter into agreements to use existing cables that are owned by private utilities. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, why would they agree to that unless it's very lucrative? You know, there could be, I mean, it, it depends on, yeah, everything's a give and take. It it depends on how you sweeten the deal, you know, otherwise to make them amenable to doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, I just think it's a shame that, you know, we were sitting in the catbird seat on this issue here in Tacoma for, you know, just about 25 years. And we really just, you know, we, we mismanaged the ball right out of, out of our catcher's mitt. It's a regret. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't really have anything else to say on this particular subject. How about you? No, I think it'll just be interesting to track the bill and, and see where we go on it. I would suspect there's going to be a lot of lobbying against the bill um, by you know Comcast and others. I mean, typically, if you look at PDC filings for uh, in local Tacoma races, in the years when... Um, you know, the private companies were trying to do whatever they could to kill Click. Uh, Comcast and others were really big donors to local campaigns. And I would suspect that you're going to be seeing that kind of spending going on in the legislature in terms of lobbying and also in terms of donations to, uh, to state legislators. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they're going to be out in, in force trying whatever they can to fight this. I think so too. So word from this podcast is this is a good bill. It doesn't really do anything other than remove barriers to better uh, and maybe someday cheaper internet access for all of us. 
if you feel similarly. Take a look at it. It's on the legislative homepage, and I'll put a link on the uh, episode notes. Um, But if you agree, contact our local legislators. And in particular, as Drew Hansen mentioned, we are lucky enough to live in the district of the Speaker of the House. So contact Speaker Jenkins, Lori Jenkins, who is someone who is all about good government, and I think probably would be in favor of this. You can contact her at the legislature at Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E dot Jenkins, J-I-N-K-I-N-S at ledge dot dot gov. Let her know you support this bill and would like to see it brought to the floor as soon as possible. The sooner they get it passed, the sooner they're on to other activities. If you have questions and you want to get in touch with Representative Hansen, his email is it's Drew Hansen at ledge.wa.gov, D-R-E-W dot H-A-N-S-E-N at ledge, L-E-G dot W-A dot G-O-V. And if you have thoughts on this show, we're kind of doing a short one today, which is a nice change of pace. Send them to me. You can contact me via messaging on Twitter at true underscore Tacoma or send me an email, true Tacoma at gmail.com. We're always interested in feedback on your thoughts about the episodes and ideas for other shows. Anything else, Joe? I think that's it. All All right. right. Enjoy your weekend. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounders B Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.